Let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude. Hey Jude, you remember that? When we first started? And this is the end. You know, it's like when you, when you study a book and we go through a book like this, I like, don't want to leave. It's like you become friends with this person who wrote it and you don't want to kind of leave it behind. But we got to keep marching forward. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that we need to get to. Uh, time permitting. So we're going to do, we're going to start in Genesis 1-1 today and go all the way through. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, right? Jude chapter 1 verses 24 and 25, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And let's not forget that word, amen. Now unto him. Now unto him who is able. He's able to to do anything. Is there anything too hard for the Lord, right? Nothing is impossible for him. He's, He's able to establish us. He's able to to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to keep us from falling, we see in this verse. He's able to present us before His glorious presence without fault. Now, only God can do that. You know yourself, right? And with great joy by the blood of the Lamb. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. The God who raised the Lord Jesus, he's going to present us through Jesus Christ. It's interesting, it says there in that verse that, that he's, going to, he's going to present us before him with exceeding joy. And, and, and I I was thinking about that, and, and I read about that. Someone said, mentioned it too, you know. Well, and I, and I said this last time, we're going to have this incredible joy that we never, ever knew possible, right? When we're presented before the presence of God, faultless, and we're there in his presence, the joy that is joy unspeakable, the Bible talks about. That's the joy that we're going to have. But this verse here tells us that not only is... The joy for us, the joy is going to be for him too. It says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him, the joy that he was going to experience. See, it's not just joy for us, but joy for him as well, this God. Now, as I said already, today is not for us. It's not for our problems, not for praying for, you know, what our needs are, though we, though we will have people to pray for you here afterwards, definitely. But really, today it's for him. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty power and authority through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore.
I looked at a whole bunch of different, you know, versions, and, and it basically just boils down to this, that God is incredible. Someone said this, that Jude closes his letter on a note of magnificent praise to the only God and Savior, supreme in majesty and authority. The letter had all kinds of warnings about false teaching, about all kinds of stuff, but, but he puts all that aside. He puts that, closes, closes the, the chapter on all that, and he, and, he, and he ends up with something like this, to the only God our Savior. The glory, majesty, power, and authority to the only God, our Savior. That's incredible, isn't it? The only God, our Savior. There's no other gods. There's a lot of little gods, little G gods, right, in this world. Things that people worship, but there's only one God. The Bible declares it. I think the universe declares it. Isaiah chapter 44 says this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first, I am the last, and apart from me there is no God. There is no many gods. He said in Isaiah chapter 45, I am the Lord, there is no other. And I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know that there is none besides me, and I am the Lord, and there is no other. To the only God, now unto Him, the only God, our Savior, our Rescuer, our, our Deliverer. David said, the Lord lives, praise be to my rock, exalted be God, the rock, my Savior. David exalts the Lord. And, and, and as I said, you know, we talked about the, the, the concept of doxologies, which means glory words, but the, the whole book of Psalms is completely full of these glory words. And David just pours them out. Psalm 68, he says, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Selah. Our God is a God who saves Isaiah said it, again, chapter 45, There is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is no other way to be saved. There's the only God and the only way to be saved is through this only God. The God who sent His Son. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now unto Him. Jude says, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. You think about that, and, and, and you know, this idea that Jude is saying, you know, now unto him, we're going, we're going to give him glory and majesty. Aren't, aren't these things already his? Glory is already his. Majesty is already power, authority, dominion. They're already all his. So what are we doing? We're just acknowledging that, you see. For us to speak it out, to, to say that to him, to, to ascribe to him all the things that he is, all the things that he does. David Guzik puts it this way, to recognize and declare all that he is and does. This supreme confidence in his God. 
He said dangerous times should make us trust in a mighty God. And I think we're in pretty dangerous times. Pretty dangerous times. But we serve a mighty God. We serve a God who has all glory. He has all majesty, all power. All authority is His. Soli Deo Gloria. That was one of the cries of the Reformation when they, when they had to, to get away from you know, this religion of works, basically. Christianity that was based upon works upon doing everything to, to get your way into heaven. And, and the, the reformers said, no, there's only one way, and it's God. It's through Jesus Christ. To Him be all the glory. Not, not our works, but His, what He did. You know, it's, it's uh, said that at the end of many of uh, Bach's you know, works, the, the classical composer, he would write that SDG at the end of his works. Not all of them, but all of his, his uh, uh, spiritual works and then some of his others as well. Handel would, would do the same thing on some of his works. Put that SDG. That isn't San Diego Gas and Electric, by the way. <laughs> Made me think of that. That's weird, huh? I haven't lived in San Diego for a long time. Soli Deo Gloria, only God deserves the glory. And Jude, you know, Jude just like, it just consumed him. Only God deserves the glory. Someone said this, he is glorified when he is allowed to be seen as he really is. He's glorified when he is allowed to be seen as he really is. I don't think we have a clue, to be honest with you. We've got a little inkling. You know, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, now we see as, you know, through a glass darkly or a kind of a a cloudy mirror, you know, we can kind of see things through glass that's cloudy. But he says one day we're going to see face to face. And then we'll know even as we are already known. And then we'll know. But he says... He says, you know what, right now we've got a little idea, and I I really don't think we have much of an idea of how great and awesome and glorious that our God is. David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hand. When, When Jesus was born, right, it says, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, they appeared with the angel, praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Glory to God. Glory to God. How often do you and I just, just proclaim his glory? In our own devotion, our own heart, and our, you know, we, we, we wake up in the morning and we say, Glory to you, God. You are the God of all glory. I have to say, it's not, it's not often. Not often enough, for sure. You and I, you see, I said it's not about us, it's not for us today, but you know what? When we do this kind of thing, something happens. Amen. 
with us and in us and through us because our eyes are now on an on on, on incredible vision of who God is. And then it seems like, you know, that broken toilet doesn't seem quite so bad. And I hope you don't have one of those. But you know what I'm saying. The glory is His alone. The majesty. You, kinda, you can kind of see this in the word majesty, but it's really a form of that word mega. Meaning incredibly great and big. Mega. The majesty of God. You know, that, that God is greater than all. God is over all. God is incredibly, incredibly majestic. That he has all power, that he has dominion. You know, we, we look around now and say, God, you know, it, it doesn't look, it doesn't look so good. But does that take away, is it taking away any from the fact that he has dominion, that he is uh, sovereign and that he is going to do what he has planned? No. But sometimes we look around at that and we start to sink like Peter did. He took his eyes off Jesus, started to sink, right? You and I, we need to put our eyes onto him and and say he is the one that has all authority, that he has all power, that he has, as someone said, the right and the might. The might and the prerogative to rule over all that his hands have made. Do you and I ascribe to him the glory, the majesty, the power, the authority, the dominion? He says it's through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. This isn't just a one-time thing, is it? This is like forever and ever and ever. From eternity past to eternity future, the eternal God you know, that's something, again, that we can, we can really not totally understand. Can you understand eternity? How can, you, how can you? We understand, like, now, these few minutes, these few days we have on this earth. You know, Moses said, you know, teach me to number my days aright so that I could have a heart of wisdom. The past, present, and future. Someone said this, he was worthy of such praise in the past. He's worthy in the present. And he will be worthy throughout all eternity. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. To him be the glory forever. Paul says amen at the end of that doxology. I want you to turn back with me a few pages to the book of 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. This is kind of a doxology as well. But there's something in it there for us. But, but I want you to notice these words eternal glory. Verse 10, he says, And the God of all grace, who called you to His 
eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. Peter says, amen. You know that little word, amen, you know, you, you can just jump over amen, and, you know, we say it, amen, you know. But, but it's, it's a powerful little word. And you find it in the scripture. And, and, and people have called it the best known word in human speech because it was kind of taken, you know, from the Hebrew language and transliterated. Uh, the Hebrew word was aman, A-M-A-N, and it was, you know, it, the word means to believe, to trust, to stand firm. This word. They became our word for amen, that, that there's something powerful, there's something certain, there's something firm, there's dependability, there's trustworthiness. Jude is using it, Peter used it, Paul used it at the end of these doxologies where they're saying, this is who our God is. All power is his, all glory is his, all might, all majesty, all dominion, authority, all power is his. This is dependable. That's why they end with this word Amen. Sometimes they use it at the beginning of things that they had to say. Jesus would say it sometimes, you know, truly, truly, I say to you, right? Kind of that, that what he was about to say was true and, and you could take it to the bank. But often we think of it as at the, at the end where it would mean, so be it. I read this, that it was a custom which passed over from the synagogues to the Christian churches, that when he who had read or discoursed had offered up solemn prayer, solemn prayer to God, that the others responded, Amen, and thus made the substance of what was uttered their own. I like that. You don't just say amen if you don't agree with it, right? Somebody tells you, you know, you look really ridiculous. Oh, amen. They say, you look really good. Say, amen. No, that's pride. I'm sorry. That's why, you know what, I think we've got to get a little Pentecostal. You you find it in churches where people say things and, and the whole crowd says what? Amen, and that's a good word to say amen. It means, yeah, that's true what you just said. Don't say it if, it's not, if you don't hear something that's true, though. Right? It's got to be true. But it's kind of gotten into speech. It's kind of like almost a universal word, this word amen. Now, I want to I wrap this up this morning uh, in, the, in the final book, right? The book of Revelation. I want you to turn there to chapter 1, start. There's three or four passages where I want to look at uh, and just read together. But we're kind of, we're, we're finishing up in heaven, right? Where, is it going to be about us in heaven? Absolutely not. It's going to be all about Him, as it should be. I was just thinking about, you know, the Lord's Prayer, you know, 
that it should be, you know, as it is in heaven, right? Should be on earth. It, it, we should be like it's going to be in heaven, worshiping and, and proclaiming the glory of who he is. But look at uh, chapter 1, Revelation, starting in verse 5. find my place here. In the middle of verse 5, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him, what? Be glory and power forever and ever. In heaven, uh, you know, John's there, he's, he, he's, he's getting this vision of heaven. He says, to him be glory and power forever, it says. And how does he end it? Amen. Amen. Let's hear you say it. Amen. That's good. You can do it. How about, how about uh, Revelation chapter 4? Jump ahead to chapter 4. You see, this is a common theme, theme of what's going on in heaven. Chapter 4 and verse 11. Actually, let's, let's start in verse 9. You get a little bit of context here. It says, whenever the living creatures, they give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. That's Genesis 1.1, isn't it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But he says, You're, you are worthy. They, they fell down. They, any crowns they had, they just laid them. They threw them down and they laid on their faces. They fell down on their faces before him who sits on the throne. You are worthy, our Lord and God. Chapter 5. Verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. This pretty much covers it all, isn't it? They were singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, what? Amen. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. They, you know, they, they, they get up and they fall down. They get up and fall down. How many times do you and I fall down and worship before the Almighty God? And we give Him praise and honor and glory and power. Chapter 7, the last one. Chapter 7, verse 9. If you've never read the book of Revelation, you need to read the book of Revelation. It says you'll get a blessing from hearing it. You'll get a blessing from reading it. But 
you, you kind of see what's going on up in heaven. It's an incredible scene. Verse 9, chapter 7, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, they start with amen. There it is at the beginning. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And they said it again, what? Amen. Amen. This is not for us today, is it? This is for Him. He he has all those things. Those are all His. And all we're doing is ascribing, acknowledging who He is and, and what He has done. And that He is our God forever and ever and ever. Those are glory words, if there's such thing as glory words, right? Those, them are glory words. Soli Deo Gloria. I want you to think about that tonight when you're putting your head to the pillow. You stop talking to anybody. The TV is off. The radio's shut down. Glory to God alone. Glory to God alone. When you wake up in the morning, glory to God alone. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves. We see these uh, scenes in heaven that are, that are just phenomenal. Of these falling on their faces before you, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Praise and glory and honor and power, majesty, might. All belong to you. We give you our praise. We give you our worship. Father, I pray you would transform our minds and hearts. That it, that it would be in the, even in our lives, even in these days that while we're here, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us that heavenly-minded attitude, Lord. Father, we're so far from that, at least I am, and I I just cry out to you, ask you to, to bring me to that place. 
focusing on you. Jesus, we thank you that you made it all possible. The joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame. You sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. You made it all possible by what you did. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the scripture says, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. We bow ours uh, willingly now, but by choice. We know that we know that receiving Jesus Christ and believing him in, in him is the way that we earn wrong word earn but the way we enter into a relationship of family and eternal life nothing we can do to earn it to God alone be the glory God the only God our Savior maybe 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 there's someone who has never bent the knee. Do it now. Don't wait. Let Jesus be your Savior. Cry out to Him and, and ask Him, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior today. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. said? Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing together, shall we?